Today we're going to be talking about uh, true love, true love that comes from God and God alone. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you go ahead and open with me to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we'll be today. Um, so Paul is writing this letter. He's been writing it from prison. I'll wait a little bit so you guys can turn there. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll be. So Paul is writing this letter from prison. Um, he's writing it to the church in Ephesus, uh, to where there's about 300,000 people who live in Ephesus. Um, it's a massive, massive city. Uh, it's, got, it's central for, for trade and for politics. It's what meets the Western civilization and Eastern civilization together. Meet right there. So there's a lot of influence that come into Ephesus. And Paul is writing this letter to the church reminding them and encouraging them to stay united, to stay united in Christ and to stay united together. Um, the first three chapters and even the fourth is, is unity, um, kind of in a way where he's describing it, that you, you are unified with Christ. And then he takes it into a practical way, what you need to do. So with chapter 5, um, if you guys would read with me. Uh, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to be up here. I ask that you just calm my nerves. I'm able just to speak your word. You just speak through me. I thank you for this congregation. Um, for them just being here, listening to a, a kid, just be able to preach your word, Lord. Um, I just pray that their hearts will be open and your word would be received. I love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. So our first point is true love is selfless. Uh, first one there says, be imitators of God. When I was a kid, I constantly imitated my dad. Um, I know many of the kids here, many of their sons would imitate their dads. If my dad walked a certain way, I would walk like him. If he was hunched over and mad, I would be hunched over and mad. Uh, if he put his pencil in his ear at work and was consecrated, I would, I would put my pencil in my ear. I wanted to be just like my dad and imitate everything he does. And just in the same way, we are to imitate God. Because it takes the eyes off of ourselves and puts it on to God. His selfless love that he's demonstrated to us. Because we're just constantly focused on us, it just becomes a selfish love. But imitating God is selfless. As we continue on, it says, Therefore, as dearly loved children, we got to see the little ones up here as they're just full of joy and happiness. As dearly loved children, that we can just imitate God as if we were kids still. And then selfless love is a way of life. It's not just a a thing, it's not an adjective. Love is a verb, it's an action, it's a doing. 
There's many people at, at work or many people in our schools who are hard to love, who we don't want to love. And yet we are too. Sometimes it's hard to love family members. It's hard to love your kids sometimes. I know my mom, she sometimes in those days had a hard time loving me. Um, love you, mom. Uh, but it's a love that's a way of life. We are no longer defined by sin if you are in Christ. It says, no more, you are mine. And yet you are to put on love. It's a way of life. It's a doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Most of you guys know this passage by heart. It's the love chapter in the Bible. Um, this it was huge for me. I just love this. I'm going to go ahead and read it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of any angels, but, not, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. There's this great famous preacher, Francis Chan. Many of us have heard it. Um, Francis Chan once said that if you were to take out all the loves and put in your own name and use as a checklist, would you be able to answer those questions honestly? Travis is kind. No. Travis is patient. No, no, no. Not very patient at all. Travis does not boast. Travis is not proud. It's a checklist that we can use because this love that God has demonstrated to us is how we're supposed to live our lives. It's a love that always endures, a love that continues on, a selfless love. If you flip back with me to Ephesians, as we continue on, it says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is how we know how to live a life of love. It's because of Christ, what he did. He got up on the cross and he died for our sins. Our sinful nature, that he died so we could have a relationship with him. It's this sacrificial love. This love that we got to see in the movie where, where Anna was willing to sacrifice for Elsa. We should be sacrificing for each other. Putting our differences away and loving each other. Even when we don't want to. This is one thing that I need to do. Love people even when I don't want to. A love that is sacrificial, that, that Christ has demonstrated to us. First John chapter 4. Verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. It's this love that Christ came, died on the cross, sacrificed himself for us. The sacrificial love. Next is true love is not selfish. A lot of you guys are thinking, that's kind of redundant. You just said the same thing. True love is selfless. Stick with me, stick with me. 
Selfish love leads to immorality. Verse 3 says, back in Ephesians, but not, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. It's not, it's not this sexual part that leads to immorality. God created sex to be good. He created it between a man and a woman in a marriage. It's supposed to be good. It's the selfish love, the, the human desire, the lust of the soul that leads to the immorality. This passage says, but among you, not even a hint of sexual morality. In our lives, so many people say, oh, it's okay. You could have sex before marriage. It's okay. You can live a, a selfish love life. It's okay. It's fine. The most common way is pornography. And it is instantly I say that, many of you guys kind of cringe. And you think, oh, I can't believe you just said that. Pornography has ruined lives. For many years, it ruined my life. I struggled with it for many, many years. It's a false love that people seek for temporary, temporarily love. It's false. And the church is what needs to stand up and fight against it. Be the main fighter. And, and not when we say pornography, go, ah, why do you say that? But think, we need to stand up. And put an end to it. Say, no more. I want this out. Many of us think our kids, oh, my kids don't struggle with that. It's very easy now. It's very, very easy. I'm being very blunt up here. Apologize if I make you guys uncomfortable. This is what has been on my heart for a while. Parents, to be able to talk with your kids, it's going to be a very awkward conversation. Very awkward. But it's necessary. Needs to happen. Kids, going to be an awkward conversation. But understand it's out of love. It's out of this selfless love. Parents, do whatever you need to do. Put as many blocks on the internet, on the TV, whatever you need to do. Talk with your kids. Explain to them why it needs to be fought against. It's this fake, false love. And you need to point them to Christ, his sacrificial love. His love that he died for us. And then you could be saying, like, well, why? Well, selfish love is improper for God's people. As we continue on, it says, because these are improper for God's holy people. Many times we're thinking, oh, it's okay. I could, I could figure it out. I could interpret this to where it's, it's, I could bend the rules a little bit. It's okay. But it's improper. Paul uses this, this word called saints. He calls the people of, of Ephesus saints. He calls them set-apart ones for the Lord. You are set-apart. You are no more sinful, but you'll continue to sin, but you are, you are not defined by your sin anymore. You are set-apart ones meant for God. You are God's holy people. These old ways, this selfish lust of desire is no more. So we continue and says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Many times we're thinking our words are what could cut people down. And no matter how old we get, our words are most powerful. We could say things to each other that just cut them right at the legs. To make ourselves feel better for this selfish love. I do it in high school all the time. I have a few friends here who are my best friends. And they know I would just do it just to cut them. So I can make myself feel better. This, this coarse joking, this foolish talk, which Paul says, which are out of place. These aren't for God's people but rather thanksgiving. 
I would be giving thanks to God for what he's done. Earlier, I got to, uh, I did chapter one and we talked about blessings. Went through nine blessings and I'm probably thinking, oh, that's redundant. You went through so many, so many blessings. But one of them was this redemption and forgiveness. We're not, we're not defined. We're set apart, but we could give thanksgiving to the Lord for what he's done. For these blessings he's given us. Because it's this selfless love. Verse 5 says, For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Many things we place above God. We're thinking, well, idols, I don't have any gold men or little sketch statues in my house. It's what we place above God. For me, in high school, it was Call of Duty. I played a lot of video games. It was Call of Duty. Um, then it was friends. I placed friends, then family, then whatever else, and God was way on the list. Many of us, it's our jobs, or our families, or whatever else. The list goes on. Many times it's these, these immoralities, this greed, this impurity that we place above God. It says, as has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He says, I've you are set apart. If you continue, there's no inheritance. No inheritance. Next selfless love selfish love deserves God's wrath. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. We have those people who tell us it's okay. In high school, we have those people who tell us it's okay. Middle school, we have those people who tell us it's okay. As we get older, college, we have those people. Work, everywhere. As How old we get, we have people telling us, Oh, it's okay. You don't need the Bible. You don't need the Word. You don't need that. Listen to this. Listen to my words. Listen to what I say. Let no one deceive you. For such things deserves God's wrath. For such things brings God's wrath. This wrath that we deserve, but yet he, he poured it out on his son so that when we could have this redemption, we could have this forgiveness, this relationship with God where we're not defined anymore. We don't have to be these perfect people. Yeah, we have Christ. He takes broken people and he molds them and makes them beautiful. Verse 7 says, Therefore do not be partakers with them. Pastor Kevin was talking about friends before he left. What friends do we have that we need to get rid of? What friends are causing us to divert from the path of Christ. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be a part of their ways, but to be able to to follow what Christ has called us to do. No matter how old we get, we are able to continue on to the path from, from day one that Christ has called us, that we could continue on until the end, that we could fight the good fight, Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. 
One of my favorite passages is right there. For you were once darkness. Many times I felt like I was in a dark, dark cave. No hope, no life, just drowning. And my sin and my guilt, the ways I wanted to please as many people as I can, please my parents, make sure everybody's happy. It was just this constant frustration all the time of living in this darkness. People would ask me, how are you doing, Travis? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine. How are you doing, Travis? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. All good in the hood. Everything's good. Living in this darkness. Many of us could ask, well, I've done a lot of these things. I've had sex before marriage. I view pornography every day. I am greedy. I, of course, joking. I, I can't inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. There's one beautiful passage I want to read to you guys. It's Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So our last point is, true love is motivated by grace. Probably the most beautiful thing ever is, but because of his great love for us, It's nothing else. It's his love for us. He sees us when we are so sinful, so dark. And he says, I want you to understand that you need me. I am the one, the way, the truth, the life. I am here. I died for your sins. Even when you were dead, even when you were dead, had no heartbeat. He still said, I love you. I want you. That's the most incredible thing. This sacrificial love should be now motivated by grace. That our true love should be motivated motivated by this grace that Christ has displayed to us. That we would be willing to do the bold things, willing to do the awkward for love that Christ has demonstrated to us. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But together, we can believe the thesis statement, if it has one, of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. God is constantly building us up so that Christ can be a dwelling. That together, we're not, we're not individuals, but together as a body of Christ, together as God's holy set-apart children, that we could be a dwelling place for the Lord. Many times in a church, many times in a youth group, it's easy to just come in and put on a mask. 
say, I'm perfectly okay. I got everything together. But when you're struggling with everything, you got your bags behind you, but you want to put on your mask to say, everything's okay. Everything's fine. I'm good. It's a church. This is a place that we should be able to take our mask off and be real. Just be like, I'm struggling with this. I need help here. I need prayer here. You hold me accountable for this. My kids are driving me nuts. Please help me not to kill them. But to take them off, that we could love each other, cry together, hold each other, be there for each other. That's what Paul has been writing to the Ephesians, that they'd be unified. But now you are light in the Lord. You are no longer darkness. You're no longer dead. Christ has called you and you were made alive. No longer dead, no longer darkness, but now you are light. I've had the most wonderful time being able to to work with a lot of the students. Um, My major is social studies education at Corbin University. Um, And I never thought I'd be up here preaching to a congregation at a church. Isn't it funny how God works? Um, it's not, I constantly tell them this all the time. It's not me who changes lives. Many times I would go home to my parents or I'll tell Brandon, I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so frustrated. They don't understand. But it's not me who makes the changes. It's Christ. I'm just the tool I'm just the the servant who gets to stand up here and have the pleasure to speak up here. But it's God who does the work. Maybe of you guys maybe didn't connect with what I said, which is okay. Um, it's Christ who impacts the heart. It's Christ who makes us alive. That's a constant reminder, no matter how old we get. We could be 135 years old or one years old. It doesn't matter doesn't matter. So I have one question to leave you guys with. What kind of love do you have? True love or selfish love? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything you've done. You're a, a glorious, glorious king who's come and you de- defeated sin. And you've given us a way just to be able to to live, Lord. You've made us alive. So I ask that we're able just to put away our old selves, put away our sinful natures, our desires, our lusts, and look to strive towards you, Lord. Look to love you and want you. I thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for these people. They've been an incredible church family for me for many years. Uh, I thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.